Welcome back to Affiliated, everybody. We've got an awesome guest here. I'm excited to introduce. And of course, Kyle Kasetch is joining me, Tom McMahon here from ClickBank, your lovely co-hosts. We can't claim that too hard, but we'll go with it. Yeah, but, lovely on 50% yes. of that equation. And just <laughs> a shorter, like, mutant offspring named Kyle. Oh, well. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. And we've got we, Andre. Yes, our much more lovely, especially with our great cardigan here, if you're watching mm, over on YouTube, um, from Taboola, Europe. And gosh, he just got back from Affiliate World Asia, where he joined our team over for a co-sponsored party out there and everything. So, Andre, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So the cardigan is the reason, uh, is really the outcome of me coming back from Bangkok because of the temperature fluctuation. Uh, you know, I, I come from a country which is rather cold. We're used to minus 20, minus 30 degrees when it's winter. But now I'm in London, which is puts me at five degrees and Bangkok was 35. So <laughs> quite a difference still. And the yeah. cardigan. I'm still adjusting yeah. in a couple of days only. I hear that. I'm drinking tea here just so I can hold a warm cup because, yeah, this office I've got does not have the best. He's got to have hot hands like me. <laughs> I love it. But Andre, I'm stoked to chat with you because, gosh, we've you know been aware of Taboola for a long time. You're one of the biggest native platforms out there in the space. Um, and we've been working with y'all for a better part of this year. Can I get mm-hmm. some offers and landers approved on Taboola? We've seen some great traffic running to those. And we're excited to kind of announce some more stuff, probably by the time this podcast goes live, some things that are happening with the ClickBank Taboola side of things. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see a lot more from ClickBank and Taboola for y'all listening. And what I really want our listeners to get from here is a great, much better understanding of kind of that native landscape, and mm-hmm. especially with Taboola, and how they can best work with y'all, whether they're an offer owner who's got you know, a scaled thing going and they want to access to different types of traffic, or if you're an affiliate looking to do media buying, um, on something like a Taboola and the kind of ins and outs of it a bit. So excited to dive in. I was curious with you just to kind of maybe kick things off. Can you just give like an overview of what you do at Taboola and then what Taboola is serving in their market right now? Sure. Here comes the pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Taboola is a traffic acquisition platform, right? Below the article, massive reach. That's it. We're pretty much the demand side. So people would think, okay, we're the supply side, but in reality, we're the demand side because the demand is demand for products, which consumers can you know, buy on the internet. And affiliates are sort of acting as middleman between the real supply, which is you guys who mm-hmm. the product, and us, the demand pool, you know, this product is being sold to. So um, I've been in Sabula for four and a half years. I've been um, working on the Eastern European side of things, so working with several markets. Uh, and since recently, I've taken on the extremely exciting opportunity to lead the uh, both Eastern European teams and the Israeli teams. Um, but to be more specific, I have a fancy slide for it, but let's let's keep it for now. So at Sabula, we have a clear separation of tiers. So we have self-service tier, meaning mm-hmm. that you're on your own. You know, you're just you know willing to give it a try to see how native works, how it fits in your marketing mix. Um, and in this case, you typically don't have a personal account manager. So think like you're starting with Google, with Facebook. You just would like to give it a try, give it a taste. Now, once you're ready to get things going and, you know, up your game a little, you may fall in one of the two tiers. So I represent the so-called growth tier or the SMB, mid-market department. Mm-hmm. So we work with, with clients who typically have less than 200 people in their organization. So this tends to be more dynamic, more flexible, less stakeholders, you know, less decision makers, relatively proactive approach when it comes to working together. Now, the enterprise is the opposite. It tends to be large agencies, large organizations, both import and export oriented. So these type of guys that, you know, tend to have a lot of stakeholders and decision makers. So the process is a little bit slower. So hence, they need a different type of support, which we tend to put on the reactive side of things. So I'm on the, you know, as I mentioned, on the growth side, the salesperson, team lead. So my job is to find uh, on board educator feelings. And so I like to think of the job as, as, as a consultant. So rather than just saying, buy us because we're awesome. <laughs> it's, I mean, as much as I like the sound of it, it's... Uh, it's yeah, Kyle and I approach sales is very similar way, right? We Mm -hmm. just want to help you find a better fit for your business. And if we're a great fit, great. We'll scale with that. 
Yeah. With that, Andre, let me pitch you guys a little bit here. Just as I think one thing we talk about. Um, I, well, yeah, right. Uh, well, I think one thing that, you know, um, is, is important to mention is I just think it's it's really tough in media right now and, and paid media. It's gotten really, really challenging. And a lot of people have seen with, you know, the, the advent of like, I think the attacks on cookies, the cookie attack out there, like we're all diabetics on the keto diet, like no one wants them. Um, and really you're just seeing these large providers try and restrict their data, which has made things like Facebook uh, media buying expensive and ineffective for a lot of people and a lot of strategies that, um, you know, made sense for a lot of people, particularly with entrance in the market, Coming during the pandemic, they were sitting at home. Mm -hmm. They're like, sweet, I'm going to make money online since I can't be a bartender anymore. Um, and they saw a lot of success, but most of the strategies don't seem to be working. Um, mm -hmm. I, I only bring that up because the instability of a network like that is probably not going to become more stable over time. In fact, they'll probably become less stable and more expensive, if anything. Mm -hmm. um, but when we look at native, particularly the tier one primary Best networks like Taboola out there, they're doing a great job with great traffic, great products, um, which really just great publishers, right? Um, you get so much more stability with understanding how to put something on. I'll the stop it. You'll leave me jobless. <laughs> so that, well, that's my pitch to people in native. Like right now, if you're yeah. sitting here, you're listening, you're thinking, I've heard it, I've seen it. And I think we'll cover some ways that even if you're using native right now, how to use more and be more effective with Taboola. Um, but I think if you're not, you need to listen to this right now because so many of the woes in your business right now that you're experiencing potentially could be solved, whether it's an affiliate offer owner, um, pub publisher through native uh, media buying, specifically with, you know, one of the best out there like Taboola. So I just want to kind of put that plug out there for something that I've really seen and I, I think is, is really important. So, yeah. And I guess with that, like I was actually going to say, are, are there any particular products or things you're seeing right now that are really doing well on your guys' platform? So uh, there is no easy way to, there's no short way to answer this question. So there's always... There's <laughs> good, always we got time. You're good. <laughs> Great. So... Um, there are always evergreen products. So those I've been seeing since I joined back in 2018, you know, these are the products people always need to think insurance, right? Like every year is this time of the year again, Q1, people are changing their insurance providers. So you start seeing more degeneration campaigns at this time. It's, you know, it's only natural. Best thing you can do as an affiliate, you can just prepare for this time and keep in mind that, okay, it's Christmas time, time to switch to listicles. It's uh, Q1 again, so it's the time where people are, you know, going out of New Year resolutions. They they would like to you know, go through self improvement once again. There are lots of promises made on the thirty uh, first of December, so we see how they turn out. So people are willing to invest more into products which are health related. There are switching insurance providers. Um, they may be willing to invest in some last minute gifts. Um, Q2 is a bit different, so that's something summer related. Again, you're working for a beach body about investing in the yoga mat, so all those things. So they're they're evergreen, uh, they're seasonal. You sort of intertwine with with evergreen. It's important to keep them in mind. Um, they're trendy ones. So for these, uh, you know, it's 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 related to search arbitrage, for instance, right? If if someone's running something similar to this. It's the same mentality, you know, before running for these keywords and, you know, just mindlessly uh, copying someone else on the network, do your own research, right? Like, like that, start with Google Trends, start with Twitter Trends, you know, you know, do some homework via SEMrush or SimilarMap, see what's happening in the market right now. Like there is a recession, you know, out, outside my window, well, not just outside my window, in my flat as well, I'm paying like three times more for electricity in London. That's crazy. So I happen to live in a new build. So I'm, you know, on the luckier side of things. Let's say someone lives in a typical Victorian conversion. So what they want to do? They want to do the isolation. So it's warmer inside. So what do you, you know, what do you sell and offer to these people? You need to offer them, you know, lead generation campaigns so they could buy solar you know, when the summer or more sunnier time comes. Isolation, make their homes warmer. So you need to be relevant, very trend oriented, hence trendy products. And now, Finally, you have, you know, one-offs or so-called, we call them wow products. When you're like, wow, I want this right now. And then you <laughs> buy it and then you instantly regret it. But well, <laughs> it's too late now. <laughs> you paid for this clicks. <laughs> what, I was curious, to go back to your tiers really quick. What um, Are those segmented by ad spend on Taboola? 
SN like, verticals. Uh, sorry, when you go, go into the, the tiers you've got, so you've got like the self-service tier, the oh. SMB, and like the enterprise. Are those segmented based on like how much you're spending on Taboola on a given yeah, time that's, period? Yeah, that's sort of a rule of the thumb. Uh, obviously, mm -hmm. varies from market to market. So, I would say typically, someone starts on self-service, and then you start seeing that they they have some potential, and you know, even though they haven't spent this, let's say, certain amount, the 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 agreed amount sure. of time, you know. I don't, I don't want to throw numbers out there because my colleagues will be like, no, Andre, it's much lower. What are you saying? <laughs> um, or higher. But like, you know, let's let's say they're not even close to crossing this number, but we see there's potential. Because, you know, sometimes, especially with experience, you see a product and you're like, that's an instant fit. I don't know if you need to mm -hmm. see it spend one million on Taboo to say, yeah, 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 okay, now I see it works. No. You see 5K spent, maybe like, okay, like even, let's say, even if you're not breaking even, but you see the trajectory of improvement, you'll be like, all right, in another week or two, you'll definitely break even, and then you'll be able to scale. And you know, you just need this extra notch, extra bit of support to, to, to get things going in the right direction. That makes sense, yeah. And then I was curious on, like, to me, Taboola has always been known for being one of the most compliant kind of networks to run on, uh, meaning like mm -hmm. the sales copy is more reviewed, right? The ads mm -hmm. are more reviewed, the products more reviewed. Can you speak to that process a little bit if you're getting a campaign going on Taboola? Yeah, so uh, the baseline is we're not automated, which is a good thing and a bad thing at the same time, because like, uh, if you automate it, you, you scale faster. Sometimes, you know, advertisers were relying on multiple campaigns versus, so that's called horizontal scaling, right? When you're creating multiple uh, identical campaigns with with small daily budget, so that's something what advertisers do when they would like to take benefit of expedited learning. So the, the, when the, for the first two days your campaign is really boosted across all the publishers, so you get the data faster. So sometimes advertisers create like a bunch of identical campaigns, and they create lots of small approved lists, and then they combine them into one big one, and then this is the time where you start running a proper campaign. So that's horizontal scaling. And sometimes you do get, you know, just vertical scaling when you have one campaign and you, you, know, you try to squeeze as much as possible from it. Now, usually, you know, with, with, with automated, obviously, it's much faster. We're manual. And the reason for this is because, you know, we, we have to be compliant with, with local regulations, which are shared by our great publisher partners. So let's, let's take, you know, Moot, uh, for example. It needs to be FDA approved if you're running in the States. There needs to be some clinical trials. And that's, you know, the, the, the fantastic amount of work, you know, you guys did, you know, and our team did, you know, making sure that we whitelisted quite a few, uh, quite a few landing pages and products. And it was quite a process, but eventually, you mm -hmm. know, we come up with a list of things which are fully approved. So you can even run stuff which you would normally think, oh, it's impossible to push into the like, Why would you, you know, run men's health? Yeah, it's possible, especially if it's FDA approved. Like, no problem. It's a great product. So... It takes time, but once you get pre-approved, this is partially my job or my, my team's job. Gotcha. You, know, you should be running no problem. Your moderation process will take you a couple of hours. Now, if you're just on sales service, you don't have anyone supporting you. It may take a day or two and you may get rejected without any profound reason. So this is where the things may be a little bit you know, slower, but eventually you'll get that. Is there is there resources on Taboola's side for like a this is what a type of page should look like or this is what we kind of need to see? Yeah, absolutely. So there's plenty of information available uh, on uh, on our help center page. Okay. Uh, additionally, we have a lot of PDF sources which are again more in the uh, managed service, but uh, some growth. But that's the part of the added value that we get because sometimes people say, oh, you know, we've been running Taboola for years. That's like, why well, we need a personal account manager. And I say, well, because we're constantly evolving. We're always putting together new materials to make sure that we're still relevant, even for you, someone who's who's got certainly more experience than some of us internally do. So we have PDFs, we have lots of materials, lots of collateral ready to share, and you know, most importantly, we have stuff on the website ready to go. Okay, we'll get some of those links and resources from you um, or your team so we can share those in the show notes of this. Because, um, yeah, I was curious, like I noticed that when we're going through some of those approval processes for the different sellers, landers, we're getting whitelisted with y'all. It was like things 
like pretty basic things, but sometimes it was like, oh yeah, we need video speed controls on this lander mm -hmm. for the, if it's a VSL, you need to show that it's of the advertisement banner on the top of the page. These things that direct response marketers are probably gonna be like, no, I don't want to do that. I need to control and like gate everything. But I imagine from your point of view, the publisher is that good they user need to experience. Take it from a different standpoint, because, you know, they come from the experience of working with other traffic sources and they'll be like, okay, mm -hmm. but this is allowed on A or this is allowed on B. Sure. But the reason this is not allowed on Taboola is because all these publishers that we're working with, they've collected so much data and so much customer feedback, which is the real statistics. And people say like, you know what? I don't like the content which you guys show. I don't like the videos which I can't, you know, put forward. I can't, you know, put on, um, you know, do the videos that, for instance, launch with the sound on. They're extremely intrusive and, you know, they're mm -hmm. annoying. So I don't want to see them. So the publisher comes to us and says, guys, we need to update and amend the rules a little bit. And in the long term, that's great because we're creating more quality content, which people are more receptive, receptive to, and they would be more inclined to interact with it. And in the end, that results in higher conversion rates. So it's a win-win, really. Well, and plus, it's I think one thing I mentioned, it, since it's your compliance standards, it's a fair, it's a level playing field, right? It's not like you're going to have to be against other advertisers that are already mm -hmm. using those tactics. So, you know, at the end of the day, you might be a fan of um, steroids and baseball, but as long as no one's on steroids and baseball, like it's fine, mm -hmm. right? It should, as long as it's an even level playing field, which you guys make, make sure that it is. I do find it interesting that, that, that lots of those decisions are based on data because um, I think that's, that's that's kind of compelling, right? Like lots of us assume this increases conversions, but at what cost? And if that cost might be something where it's not actually increasing long-term conversions, um, mm -hmm. it's decreasing them and definitely lowering LTV by having some of those measures in there. I find that really interesting for sure. Yeah, like, like Kyle, think in these terms, for instance, you get someone coming up with extremely clickable banners. Mm -hmm. So they anticipate extremely high CTR which would naturally help them decrease the CPC. And then suddenly their campaign gets rejected. They'll be like, why? I want my high VCTR back. Mm -hmm. But CTR is just one of the few important components because high CTR only uh, gives an opportunity to you know, be positioned higher in the feed. So clickability and the chances that people will notice you are higher. But what's the positive performance like? Do people convert? Do they interact with the content? Is there a match between the problem presented in the banner and the one that's explained in the content? So if there is a good match, if there is interest, if people actually spend, if there's like low bounce rate, if people spend time on, on content and then they engage with it and they actually buy the product, that means you've created the perfect funnel. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like in a way that prevents marketers from themselves and advertisers from themselves, right? Like I have great CTR. Well, yeah, because you're getting a bunch of people to click to something they don't even like, and it's not a, it's a disparate experience. So your yeah, clicks are empty. Clicks, they're not intent based clicks, right? That's yeah. Like, yeah. So a bunch mm -hmm. of empty clicks probably is not good for your business. Um, holistically, mm -hmm. and you guys mm -hmm. are, are doing things to measure against that and prevent against that. Um, will will might seem frustrating in the short run to someone that's used to something else. Um, I really like hearing that it is, it's actually quite beneficial for you, but it's going to challenge you to be a holistic marketer, um, mm -hmm. you know, holistically looking at your funnel, not just looking at a, a KPI, um, which again, I'm a huge fan of personally, um, mm -hmm. even though it could be easier and more attractive to maybe highlight one specific metric instead of look at things as a holistic marketer. Um, but that keeps the health of Taboola being an amazing network for, you know, year after year after year with the top publishers because they know they're attracting a holistic marketer and a great experience for the buyer. What are some of the KPIs that your better clients are focusing in on when they're maybe at the start of a campaign and then as they start to scale a campaign? Because I imagine they might shift a bit if they're looking to get a banner that's performing well versus something that's scaling higher. Well, that depends on the vertical. Mm -hmm. If it's content arbitrage, you know, there are guys who are being extremely holistic and they would be like, is it okay if I talk about different verticals, not just affiliate marketing, or do you want it to be? Sure. Marketing? Yeah. Then we can talk different. Yeah. I guess, as you know, most of our listeners here are going to be more in the performance marketer space, focusing on a straight sale kind of funnel, right? Kind of a, maybe um, e-com is probably the bad example of the term there, but they're going to get a cart checkout is what they're no, trying to get. I'm not forgetting yeah. myself. I need to be more specific, but um, I, briefly, content arbitrage. Some people look mm -hmm. at, you know, RPCs, 
which is perfectly fine. Some people look at the session depth. Some people look at the, uh, not just the revenue per customer, but they look at uh, number of pages people visit, you know, the time spent on site, the bounce rate, you know, all these things. And the same for a straight sale, affiliate marketing, like uh, the foundation is what's my CPA? Like I'm paid uh, CPA $25 and my CPA on Taboo is 24. Great. Let's scale this to 10K per day. Amazing. I'd be making a lot of money. Right. But that's just the baseline because what you can do, what you can explore is you can implement, and I'm just taking from the top of my head, you can implement a uh, program your pixel for time and collect the data uh, on how much time the user spent interacting with the content. So you split test and see, you know, you're not just again copying someone's content. You're you're actually split testing, saying, okay, let's try 500 words, let's try 300 words, let's try more pictures, and surely that's a lot more money. But I like to think of this as an investment. So yeah, there are performance markers for who don't have uh, what's the expression for this? We don't have super deep pockets, and that's totally okay to have a you know strong focus. But if you're looking for a proper diversification, which is quite typical for large advertisers, you know, they're spending 1 million per month on TikTok, or they're spending 1 million per month on Facebook. And you know, my job here is not trying to convince them to, to do otherwise. My job is to say, guys, do you want to have a more diversified marketing mix? You know, let's, let's, let's start small, but let's try different approaches. Find the one that works well for you on Taboolon. And eventually, you know, there's no need to take the budget from TikTok. Maybe eventually you'll see that how well it's performing on Taboola and we'll find a different source of, of revenue for it. But the, the point is, is not just to copy, but try multiple approaches, not recycle someone else's approach, but find your own path. Yeah. So Stefan George, I speak to something, one of his TikToks, I think, right? He was talking, it's like, you know, you want to funnel hack the strategy or you want to funnel mm -hmm. hack kind of the idea, not so much the actual content <laughs> not one-to-one -one, right like what's I working think it's what's inspiration yeah. versus mm -hmm. hacking i mean, oftentimes hacking makes people think it's unlocking the source code to replicate it over and over and over again but it's really it's like no, no be inspired <laughs> by the behavioral mechanics of marketing and what they're trying to do i i try to tell people that all the time they're like oh how do you like learn stuff in marketing i was like see what people do and go why do they do that why would they do it that way what are the behavioral things they're trying to do for their product and that's how you start replicating not tactics but strategies so um i actually had a kind of a question i wanted to bring up for you andre real fast um i don't know i'm holding my face so weird to ask it but i had a really interesting conversation with a, um, a youtube media buyer and they had referenced that they actually um correlate a lot of the success in the strategies in youtube to native, uh, meaning that they, they kind of said, hey, if you have a product that's doing well on YouTube and you're not advertising it to native, you're really missing um, a huge opportunity. So I was curious, that was his perspective. I'm curious on when you hear someone say that, do you feel like if someone's doing well on YouTube, native should be a natural source for them to, to translate in terms of the way the marketing kind of looks? Just curious on, on, on what your thoughts are with that. That's an interesting perspective, uh, certainly. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that there is a direct connection. Like I know these two guys who are being extremely successful with, with YouTube ads and they're also running on Taboo Um, I think if you're, if you have the right mindset, I think if you're naturally curious and if you are willing to work hard, you know, roll up your sleeves regardless of which traffic source. Sorry, I'm saying such banal things, you know, I probably should write that very <laughs> Well, like actually, let me, let me see if this would help, Andre. So I should provide some more context. I asked a bad question. So he specifically mentioned one of the reasons why is a lot of YouTube ads that do very well are based on curiosity and information, right? So mm. if I have a curiosity mindset, ah, so now that it does seem like curiosity and curiosity marketing funnels really lend themselves well yeah, too native yeah. because it's like, oh, here's a curious thing. Let me read more about that. Next thing you know, you read more and now you're like, wow, I'm being sold without being aware of it. So I think YouTube's very sense. similar in that. So I should I should have added some more context. So <laughs> with that information. I, I, should have, I should have asked about what kind of products he's yeah. running. But yeah. like uh, with, with YouTube, I remember it was like what, a year ago. I, I don't see this ads anymore. It's it's not it's not something that I 
uh, I'm researching, but I used to see them quite often. There'll be a guy saying like, if you give me five seconds, I'll tell you how to make $1 million. <laughs> and, and, you know, this, this approach is about, you know, time's money. And on the internet marketers, they're really competing for time because, you know, inventory, you can grow your inventory. Right? You, you talked earlier about, you know, how the CPCs are growing. That's natural because the inventory for certain platforms isn't growing. It's actually deflating. Mm -hmm. So you would actually have the same amount of competition for the same inventory. So you would need to compete, be more competitive. And if you're breached to ceiling with the CTR, like you would need to compensate with high CPCs for remain with the same CPMs. Now, uh, with native, it's, I would say it's never ending because, you know, there's an endless competition between large publishers, uh, sorry, mm -hmm. large, large uh, native platforms for large publishers. And there's always new websites which are being created every single day. So if they hit a certain threshold of, you know, quality standard, right? You know, you can easily work with them. So with YouTube, I see where it's coming from. Um, I think native does indeed have um, a similar funnel when it comes to, you know, presenting an immediate problem. So like guys, 10,000 guys in your area, 10,000 men in your area choosing this amazing phone, like product placement, I'm not paid for this. <laughs> um, like amazing phone. Um, so 10,000 guys in your area choose this amazing phone. Check it out right now. Like I'm presented with a problem and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm keen to investigate a potential solution. So if you were to say, buy it right now, I wouldn't, because why would I buy it? Like I'm not in the mood for buying phones. I was just reading news about political situation in the UK. Like why would I buy a phone, especially if it's expensive, but now if you're, you're compelling me to read it with, with some great content, like I click on it and immediately I'm presented with a solution. And once I finish reading, the solution comes, you know, with a, with a uh, decent discount, let's say, you know, just for you and just today, 15% discount for this phone. And I believe this might be something that you, you the guy you're mentioning, uh, he, he means is the fact that, you know, right in the face problem guys there is a problem but don't worry we've got you covered there is a solution we're going to sell it sell it to you and we're going to sell it to you cheap nice so i suppose this could be the funnel yeah no i think i think that makes sense i think a lot of it too is it, i imagine people that go to youtube are very similar to the audience that's consuming native ads because why are they going to publishers right to be informed or entertained in some capacity but they're probably not there to be sold so when you have like problem you know, I either when I'm when I'm being entertained, I'm trying to forget about my problems or look in a different way. And if I'm educated, I'm trying to learn more about them. Right. So it seems like, you know, it's a good inflection point. I really I really like that idea of like you have to bring them on something that's like I'm not going to sell you, but here's a problem presented away. Like what if it's like 10,000 men in your area are finding more dates because of this phone? If I was a single lonely guy and I was like, well, dang, I definitely need that. Like, let me go read how this phone's doing that. Right. And next thing you know, you. Um, go from being sad about the world to buying a phone so you could get a date, right? So I think that would be um, kind of an interesting concept. By the way, I am not saying that is a pitch of any phone, <laughs> just throwing it out there. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, that's so that is interesting though. I, I kind of like uh, hearing more about that and that, that concept for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think I think it's it's important to keep in mind that we can't. I mentioned this. We can't keep reciting the same approaches, like. Even if we're doing YouTube ads, we need to be more creative. And on YouTube, I have no idea. Like, I would need to look at the numbers, but how many people are doing YouTube premium? Like, I'm on YouTube premium. I don't see ads anymore. Sometimes, you know, I log out just to check what kind of ads are running. So it's professional interest, but like, I don't see ads anymore. So I only see influencers. And I'm thinking, okay, it's, it's, it's something that makes me more receptive because I see so many ads. And I'm sure, you know, even people who are not with professional industry. You know, they see so many ads, so they, you know, they, they are uh, repelled by them or they could be repelled by them. And if it's an influencer who's more trustworthy, they'd be more inclined to buy. But this is where you need to get creative. You can't just, you know, pay someone and say, this phone is awesome. You need to, you know, encourage them to create a good storyline so people actually find it believable and could relate to it. So I suppose native is, is quite similar, you know, right time, right place, right approach believable trustworthy 
Now, you mentioned something when we were talking about that earlier that I thought was really, it made me think of a lot of things. But um, you mentioned, you know, when you're talking about native as a traffic channel and the fact that the inventory isn't fixed and it's growing at all times, mm -hmm. right? Um, with new websites or the fact that, you know, publishers are constantly competing for eyeballs and content. Mm -hmm. So they are just in an arms race to produce the best clicks and more and more and more of that for you. Um, if you're interested in that. So the, the question I was kind of asking is like, just to give kind of uh, some, some numbers, do you have an idea like on average, how many new um, publishers you buy, do you guys bring on like on a, like on a monthly basis or within a quarter um, or like new websites? And I guess the flip side is like, what's the count of, if you could share like, maybe the range of publishers you actively have on the platform right now? It's a great question. I wish I knew the answer. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I if I dig deeper, I'm sure I'd be able to find the answer. It's not that difficult to find. I just run look reports. I think the real question here is whether I'm whether we're growing and where we're we growing. And mm -hmm. um, you can go for quantity, like you can be a network that aggregates thousands and thousands of, of publishers, and hence the word, you know, hence the term whitelist. You know, someone comes and says, you know, guys. I know you have 50,000 publishers. I don't care. I need you to whitelist me just 100, which are the biggest ones and most relevant for my mobile phone product, mm -hmm. right? And we're working with 9,000 publishers or, you know, so does our marketing site. Like I would need to double check how many publishers. <laughs> but like, it's, it's all about the big ones and it's all about the big ones that convert well. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you have a massive news outlet but the audience that's reading it is just not receptive to ads because the type of, uh, you know, especially if it's thematic, you know, it's, it's very business oriented and these people have certain income, they have certain profession, they have certain interests and they're more, you know, naturally inclined towards particular political stance. Mm -hmm. Hence, there is no point trying to sell them stuff which they would not naturally invest in. Mm -hmm. So you need to keep this in mind and hence optimization. Like, yeah, for sure, you know, there are lots of overlaps between the publishers, but you will see that, for instance, certain outlets in the UK convert well for e-commerce and certain for betting and certain for content arbitrage because of the different type of audiences. So, mm. yeah, sorry, Thomas. Yeah, I think you're kind of heading there, but can you speak to like the targeting you can do on Taboola if when you're running, taking on ad spots? Either, yeah, just how does that work with Tabula? So, uh, multiple. So, I would say it's sort of like a tree like uh, structure. So, the baseline, the stem, is behavior targeting. So, we touched upon cookies. So, the behavior targeting it works based on three components. The first one being um, context. So, think in terms of, you know, we work with publishers, we're hard coded on their websites, we see where the users are. Like where we're, 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 we get the understanding of how much time they're spending on which contexts. We're seeing what they're clicking on. We have half a billion audience clicking on is, the. So is context is that like interest? Yeah. So so it's interest because like if someone's spending time on on sports, mm -hmm. it makes more sense to try to you know show them betting or gambling, for instance, or mm -hmm. you know sportswear. Who knows? Like so, contexts, clicks, and cookies. So clicks, half a billion audience clicking on ads or recommendations because we're first and foremost a recommendation platform. So we have editorial and ads. Um, so behavior algorithm, that is sort of run of network. So if someone starts their campaign, they would start with run of network targeting all the websites. And this is the basic recommendation. We usually say, guys, run on all the websites, rely on high VCPM, once you get to high VCPM, you'll be able to collect enough data per publisher and make a data-driven decision which publishers to switch off and switch on. I'm, now, um, yeah, glad you said that. This is something I've seen across all the big networks now. It's like it used to be that you could get super exact targeting, right? I want to target this type of person, this type of place, to doing this type of thing and this interest. And it seems like people have gone much more with you know as first as third-party data has gone away, they've had to go much more broad and then refine, right? And let the ad and the creatives help segment. This, this approach is great for restricted inventory, or, you know, we call them walled gardens. Like, you know, when, when you have, you know, Facebook, you have TikTok that make you register, they have lots of data on you. So it makes 
only sense to leverage this data because someone registered, you know, everything about that. And the intent is different. Like I'm scrolling on my phone, have a bunch of recommendations. I'm used to the fact I'm getting recommendations which are targeted towards me specifically. So I'm in this state of mind. But when I'm on the internet, I'm not expecting someone to be targeted towards me, hence the funnel, which is problem versus solution. And you're starting very broad, but once you collect enough data, you'll be able to see which um, contexts and which um, demographies your clicks contribute to. So first you collect the data and then you see which demographies are performing better. Like let's say you come with, a, with an idea that the product you're selling is going to perform better with women. Let's say you know, International Women's Day, right? So you will think, okay, I need to target women. No, maybe you'll discover that on this particular source, you should target men who would be buying gifts for, for women or, I don't know, you know, women buying gifts for women. There are multiple approaches. But what I'm saying is it's important to be open-minded and making a decision based on the data. So don't come with assumptions that you know your customer. Taboo is about, you know, content recommendation and content discovery. So discover your new audience. I'm being very motivational. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think it's I think it's great, and you'd be amazed. Like I just had a, a friend that's a list manager. He mentioned um, I had a men's offer. It was a men's health offer, and it had a men's health angle. Right, everything was men, 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 men. And he's like, "Oh, I'm going to run this to some of my female list." I'm like, "Why? Why would you do that?" He's like, "He's like, who do you think buys most of the stuff in the home?" And you'd be surprised at the amount of conversions you could get for a men's product to a female list. And I was like. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, th- I think that's, that's great feedback. I, one of the questions I have is knowing that when you have to start broad in a traffic channel, I think sometimes, especially what people are used to with like a, a Facebook where you can keep budget small and just hyper target, right. And then expand as you go. And it feels like Nate is in, is a little bit reverse of that. You start broad and start narrowing it down and then scale. Is there kind of like a, a recommended or maybe like a range of a budget you would I advise people to say, hey, starting out, you should be like anticipating this is your testing budget. And if you could like tranche that based on business size, but any any mm-hmm. advice on that would be really, really helpful. Yeah, like uh, as much as I would like to say $1 million. <laughs> no, um, we're being very numbers oriented, mathematical, if you like about it. So we say, first you look at the average VCTR, sorry, you look at the average VCTR and average CPC per geo, and you work out, you know, something that you would likely have for this particular vertical. Let's let's go super average. Let's say the States. For the States, if you have an average VCTR, so we're not talking about constant arbitrage that goes, you know, beyond four, five, six percent VCTR. And we're not talking about browser games, which tend to have less than 0.1%, because like it's 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 very niche. So you would be bidding more than $1 in the States for a CPC. Let's say it's super average. Let's talk about, you know, health products. Let's talk about, you know, e-commerce, which would have an average VCTR of, you know, half percent, 1%, 1.5%, depending on the season again. Right? So you'll be looking at the CPC of 0. 0.5, 0. 0.55, 0.6 on mobile or desktop. But, you know, if we're talking commerce, typically it's mobile. Let's say 55. So you put this aside. Then you start thinking, okay, how many clicks do I typically need for a publisher? 100 clicks. Like this is the rule of thumb because you need to see whether you have 1% conversion. You multiply it by your number of publishers. Like, do you want to test all 9,000 publishers we have? No, you don't. That's way too much. Like, do you want to test five or 10? That's not enough. Like, sure, on Taboo, you'll get most traffic from MSN. And in the States, it'd probably be BuzzFeed or, you know, CNBC or depending on, on the vertical again. But, you know, to average it out, you should be looking for 50 to 100 publishers. So there you go. You get 10K clicks multiplied by your average CPC, and you get a budget of 5K per month. And by per month, because, again, someone running on Facebook, they're used to comparing Tuesdays with Wednesdays. And they're like, okay, how is it performing today? It's because the intent doesn't change. People are on Facebook always with the same mindset. But with news, news are ever-changing. So you go on Bloomberg one day, and then the other day, it's a completely different mindset. So you need to compare Tuesdays with Tuesdays and Wednesdays with Wednesdays. And the bigger the geo, the longer the span. So in the States, it's three to four weeks. If it was 
UK, France, I would say maybe two, three weeks. But again, depends on which vertical. That's so interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, you think about the timing of when content's consumed, you really need a larger window to really evaluate that. That's really interesting. Yeah, that was super helpful. Thank you. Like, I think a common mistake I see, even with newbies up to experts, is they try a new traffic channel, they try a new tactic or a strategy. Oh, that didn't work. It's like, well, how much did you try? And it's usually not nearly enough time or clicks or both <laughs> to really say if it worked or not. And it just wasn't like, so I think having that realistic expectation of what it takes to give it a fair test, right? And then actually kind mm -hmm. of get some traction and can see it. Because what I always tell people, if you're going to a new traffic channel, it might not be profitable after a 5K investment, mm -hmm. right? You might be, let's say, 50% or something. Um, but you're going to have a pretty good idea of like, can we, I'm just throwing out random numbers. I don't mean to put it on you, but like, <laughs> it might be. Uh, no, I, I was about um, to a little bit, but. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like 70%, right? But it's going to be, um, you have a good idea of like, okay, can we get this improved either on the ad performance or our page performance to a point where it's break even or profitable at this point now, right? Usually, or do we need to go get... usually first week is a big fat mass. The second week is where you start seeing the improvement. And if you see that, okay, let's say you're minus 30%, minus 40%, but improving, that means that, you know, by week three, you'd probably be able to optimize it and you know, break even and go positive with week four. But if you're continuously staying with minus 70% and it's with two, the chances are it's not going to improve. So you drill it down. This is why you need to, to track different touch points across your journey. Like, what's the problem? Is it, you know, the traffic sources are not great. Well, increase the CPC or CTR and get on the good sources. Or is it the high bounce rate? Well, tough luck. You need to work, uh, change, uh, change your landing page. Or maybe, you know, work with your CTA or maybe your offer is not compelling enough. You know, throw in a nicer discount just again, just today and just for you. It's so really, it's that five, five K is the idea of that you need to, it'll give you the data you need to know well, the um, states, after a couple yes. of weeks. Yeah. For the States, for the states and yeah. then um, for smaller demos, probably less budget. Three, four K, three, four K per, per campaign. Yeah. That's you know, something to be. And I would imagine if you weren't sure if you did that and then you're like, what does this mean? Right. If, um, if you, you maybe data is not your jam, um, being able to talk to a member of your team would, would really probably sift all that out. So you can not only know, Hey, here's, here's the way, here's the publishers you should be shutting off. Here's where to put and spend more. Mm -hmm. Hey, this is what we're seeing. This probably means this could be your problem. So that's going to shortcut a lot of those mysteries. But um, at the end of the day, it all comes down to, like you said, Andre, it's like, Taboo is a, a great platform for the holistic marketer and a holistic mindset. If you want, if you want the real success, and um, I think that's that's awesome. We want more marketers to have a holistic mindset. I agree. Changing the world one marketer at a time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great. I love um, if there's any rapid fire. I guess common. You've touched on some of these, but if there's any rapid fire mistakes you see that kind of people mm -hmm. new to native make, um, and let's assume they're a average marketer, right? They're doing pretty well. They're not maybe the biggest scale you've got, but they have, they've got some skin in the game. They know they've made some things work and they're trying native now. What are some common mistakes that they're making? We'll make it uh, even more buzzy. Give us three, three common oh, mistakes. I'm not supposed to use that hand motion. Gosh, you're on it. Three. three. <laughs> sure. Let's go for it. Are we going to get like uh, three, uh, three um, sentences span across? Yeah, it will definitely get imaging over. Let's I'll make sound it. effects. I'll go every single time you do new ones. So that'll rip inside. So number one, <laughs> the first mistake is psychological coming with the wrong mindset. So it's not probably what you expected, not very technical, but a psychological one. Someone comes with an idea that they know everything, but they had no idea, you know, how native works, but they're like, I know I spend millions on, on, on Facebook. And I'm like, great. And I spent five years explaining people how to works. So, you know, you're an expert in your field. I'm aspiring to be an expert in my field. So let's, let's create synergy together. I'm going to teach you and we're going to take your resources and create something beautiful together. So it's important to come with an open mind and, you know, be keen to learn new things, not just, you know, come the baggage of experience, leverage this experience hundred percent, but don't rely on it solely because that's what, this would be the first psychological mistake. Now, number two, I think we have to get the sound effect. Got to be consistent, right? Please. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So number two, I would say a lot of people come, a lot of people come again with the, with the experience of, let's say Facebook and they say, okay, Andre 5k budget, fine. 
let's do it. And then they set it as a 5K budget and they spend it over one day. And they're like, Andre, where are the conversions? You owe me a 5K, man. I'm like, I don't owe you anything. <laughs> no, um, like, it's very important. It's again a part of the job, you know, being a consultant and, you know, agreeing on everything on the shore, saying, guys, 5K split equally day after day throughout this three to four weeks. So that's partially my fault if, if someone's doing a mistake, because regardless of how many times I need to repeat, it needs to sink in. And if it doesn't, well, I've done my job badly. Um, so I would say, you know, one of the mistakes is people are just spending all at once and then saying, where are the conversions? Well, there won't be any conversions because you just bought a bunch of traffic that's not converting. You need to allocate it equally and see how it, uh, how it um, performs over time. And number three, and please wait with, wait, I have Oh, too soon, too soon, too soon. Um, number three, I would say there's no point. If something's not working, leave it be. Like, don't, don't keep trying. Sometimes it's important to, you know, put this aside and try something new. Because if you see that, okay, like you, I've, let's say I've given you all the possible benchmarks. I mean, obviously I'm not going to give you like CPAs and I'm not going to give you competitor CPCs, but you know, I can say that's the average for the market. And, you know, let's say I've given you some benchmarks. Let's say you've, you've done your due diligence and you've checked every single spy tool available for the market. And you like, you've, you've, been, you've been inspired by uh, some of the biggest spenders and you've created the ultimate landing page. And then it suddenly doesn't convert and you've tested everything. It just doesn't work. Put it aside, find something new. Like, don't, like, there's no point. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like, there may be multiple multiple reasons. So if, if and we mentioned holistic approach, like we can't know all the reasons that people, let's say, you know, I give you the product, let's say heaters in the UK. You know, we have a bunch of guys running them. One of the first guys who started running heaters on Tabula was spending, I'm not even sure if it's a guy or, or, or someone else, like a guy, a girl, spending 80k per day for a continuous period of time and then there were a lot of other guys spending this certain similar amounts of money in it. and you'll be like okay surely uk is a big market and like how many heaters can you physically sell a lot but at some point there is ads fatigue especially if there are so many people spending on this you know, on, on many sources and you know if you were to come up with an ultimate landing page and you know the ultimate metrics but you're simply not at the right, you know, you have the right product, you have the right promotion, you have the right price tag, but it's just simply not the right place, at the right time, tough luck, try something else. So I would say, yeah, okay. So we have a psychological approach. We have, you know, spending all the money at once and we have, uh, you know, forgetting about the fourth P, which is the place. Be yeah. more that. Yeah, be more yeah, be a smart quitter, you know. You don't want to never be a quitter, <laughs> but be a smart quitter about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, was uh, that's, that definitely needs to be a shirt. Smart quitting. Listen to Andre. Yeah. Yeah. To Andre. <laughs> uh, yeah. Awesome. No, it was great. I enjoyed it. I'm sorry I was it, that was my first time with sound effects on those. So so next time it'll be more. No, more I think precise. I think that's great. You know, that should start as a side hobby and you know, who knows? <laughs> right. It's a voice acting career for Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> if you watch these videos on YouTube, you know, like if you watch this Hollywood films and you'll see you know, stuff breaking, exploding, and then you see that people are recording this and they're using completely different things to create this sound. So I'm like, that's, that's crazy. Magic. Like, this it guy's really so creative. That yeah. someone's... I also think voice actors seem like the best Hollywood job. No one knows that you're famous. Um, you control when they hear that you're famous and you get to do your job in your pajamas. And now you could probably, they could probably do it at home if they wanted to. Like mm -hmm. that is the life. If I could be a Simpsons voice actor, you bet, you bet. So. <laughs> well, Mark Hamill. Awesome. Well, like, Andre, you thanks. Mark Hamill, you can instantly recognize Yeah, him. there you like, go. Stoker, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Luke Skywalker or this guy from mm -hmm. the Avatar. I don't remember like the bad, the bad guy. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, before we dematerialize and just talk about cartoons, which is pretty much uh, where all my conversations go. So um, I, I think Thomas had some uh, one last thing. Oh, no, I just wanted to thank you for your time, Andre. I know it's uh, later in the day for you out there in the UK and um, you're just getting back from still probably still recovering from some jet lag from Philly World Asia. <laughs> and we're going to see. That's it. 
A little bit, yeah. <laughs> and we're going to see some of your team out in uh, Affiliate Summit West in Vegas. You guys are sponsoring an event we've got out there mm -hmm. uh, for that road show, I think, on January 24th. I think you all have I'm some so tickets. Jealous. I'm so jealous, yeah. guys. Uh, we'll be spending some, some quality time in Vegas, unfortunately. I'm not coming because there <laughs> won't be too many Europeans or Israelis there, but it's time. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, nice we'll pour less salt on the wound for that. But for all those that will join, they'll be fantastic to get some tabula and enjoy it. And you know, you're always welcome in London. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what a great city! I'll take too, you up on that. I love London. For yeah, sure. yeah. Well, well, we'll include and, links to the in the show notes. Um, we've got some new pages launching here soon. Actually, probably by the time this podcast airs, um, some different uh, insights on the tabula ClickBank, what we've got going on there, and the pre-approved whitelisted pages we've got up with y'all and kind of those offers if you want to be promoting clickbank offers on tabula but then andre is curious like where can people go to learn more about yourself or tabula like where's the best place for them to go check things out you can go to the website or you can reach out to me directly or to other sales team leads or sales managers directly i think the best the best start would be to, to do some due diligence and you know read some information on the website on the forums you know there's so much information available it's not 2015 anymore you don't need to you know find the scraps there's so much info even on youtube like we have a really cool uh, course on fiverr recorded for those who are just mm, getting started okay. um there are plenty of news available like especially with, with the latest yahoo deal uh so um start reading there's lots of information available publicly and then you know reach out like reach out to me uh reach out to my colleagues they're all amazing I think we'll definitely can uh, work something out together. If nice. You your team's been great to work with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're also going to be rooting for England this Saturday against the French. So you take Mbappe down. Get him. Get him. So. I'm expecting <laughs> a lot of coming home under my windows. So I don't even know how to react. Should I go and join or should I sit quietly? <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows? Well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what. My partner, she is a big supporter of, um, of Italy. And... Um, She's not Italian, but she is. And uh, I, I was supporting England uh, during the big game summer, I think, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She went uh, She went to the balcony. She started screaming, Forza Italia. And I was generally scared for my life. I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? You're going to get us killed. Dangerous stuff. Uh, Dangerous well. stuff. <laughs> no, it was great having you, Andre. Really appreciate the time. And Thanks yeah, for look forward me. to seeing you in Europe, hopefully sometime in 2023. Looking forward to it as well. Thanks, guys. Okay. Awesome. Cheers, y'all. Happy scaling. Bye-bye.